For every veteran, there is a story. A story about a calling to serve, to fight for the freedoms of the American people. And every story has a struggle, a sacrifice, and invisible wounds. Warrior Watts programs help veterans recover from PTSD and invisible wounds through exercise, nutrition, and connecting with other veteran leaders. It is estimated that 22 veterans die each day by suicide and another 30 veterans die each day by substance abuse. These are preventable deaths. Warrior Watt is committed to fighting PTSD through fitness, nutrition, and community. opportunity to support our heroes in their time of need. Will you join us and take action? All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. Fit Nation. We are a show founded by a veteran and hosted by two veterans and a military spouse. Our mission is to get people to tell their story to the world. If you're an author, share your tips with Mr. Hirsch. If you're a musician or actor, our audience needs to know how they too can get into the business. Coaches, we love our coaches. Come on and share some of your tips with the Misfit Nation to help them become better versions of themselves. If you're a corporate leader or an entrepreneur, come on and share how you did it and how hard you have fought for success. If you are a veteran, first responder, or Gold Star family, we would love to have you come on and just share your story with the Misfit Nation. We always have time for you. If you're feeling down, alone, or starting to see the darkness, stop. Think about those who are around you. You are not alone. You will be missed. If you feel like your problems will be a burden to those in your inner circle, or are embarrassed, dial 988. If you are a veteran, take option one. We need you to keep pushing forward. Don't make a permanent solution to a temporary problem. If you're a new listener, welcome to the Misfit Nation. Be sure to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast apps and also on our YouTube channel at the underscore Misfit Nation. Subscribe and click the bell to keep you up to date with our latest episodes and all of our news. You can also find us on Heroes Media Group and About Face Radio. Now, let's get to the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to our Tuesday after dinner show. It's coming to you live from the state of my birth, New Jersey. It's the first time we're doing a show from this state. And uh, I'm glad to be home for a few days, not for the reason I'm here, but I'm glad to see some family and friends and uh, be able to, to broadcast from here and, and share what I do with my family up here. 
So without further ado, our next guest is an influential entrepreneur. He's a men's coach, author, and host of the thought-provoking podcast, The Nico Lagan Show. With more than 100,000 followers, his content currently gets between 5 and 10 million monthly views. So without further ado, let's welcome Nico to the Misfit Nation. Welcome, Nico. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, brother? It's great to have you here. I, I realize that sometimes it's hard to get the emails through because it comes from a different one at the time. So I'm glad you were able to find it at the last second there. So awesome to have you here. Absolutely. No, that was my mistake. It was right there. I'm just blind. I'm getting old, I guess. <laughs> it, it sucks, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, such is life, I guess. That's what I was just saying as I'm trying to read in this room with the bad lights. I was, oh, man, I can barely read that screen. I got to keep making it bigger. This is horrible. <laughs> yeah, well, it happens to all of us, I think. Yes. I th so, at least I've been told. That's what I've been told since I, since I was a little kid. You, you'll get there someday, that I was told. Mm -hmm. and I, I think I'm there now. <laughs> You and so me Nico, both, brother. Tell us a little more about yourself. I mean, I only gave basically what you're doing right now. Tell us a little bit about you from, from well, as far back as you want to go to how we got to where we are now. That's a, that's a long question. Um, we got here because, you know, as weird as this is going to sound, when my dad left when I was 14, saw him a handful of time until he died when I was 29, um, that kind of shaped my life. Lacking a father figure, not having a masculine, not having a masculine force, if you will, around me made me go on a journey of self-exploration, which was not necessarily with the right eyes. I did not understand what it was to be a man. It took me a long time to understand it. But yeah, if, if I can say one thing that changed everything, that was it. Because for the past 26 years now. 26 man 27 years i am getting old for the next <laughs> for the next 27 years that has been what i've been doing i've just been exploring what it is to be a man to a point where you know i young i became an addict i was an alcoholic sold drugs was not a good person and in my 20s i What's the proper term here? I got my act together. If I can stay, I'll stay polite. So uh, I got, I got my act together, went back to school, figured out that even though I might not have a masculine man in my life, I could figure out what it meant. And that's all I've been doing for the past 20 years to a point now that I written my first book this year. I'm writing another one on the five virtues of a good man. I help male content creator get their word out there because it is hard if you're a man with an opinion if you're not just there to show off your body or a personal trainer it is hard for a man to grow his audience online so now this is all i do i coach men both on the social media aspect and just how to find purpose because without purpose a man's life is meaningless and i've this is my purpose brother this is I didn't choose this. God did. I just follow what I'm being told to do. And this is what I do. Definitely. And I was on a show last night, a return to roots. Uh, they, they were interviewing me and we talked in depth about purpose and you just mm -hmm. brought that up there. And what does it mean to you to find that purpose? And you found that obviously in your twenties, you realized you, you changed the, the calibration on your, on your compass and, and changed your purpose at that point. What's, how do you describe that to men when you're coaching them to find their purpose? You know, to me, there's more than one purpose. There's there's three purpose in a man's life. One is 
a boy to become a man, a man to become a good man, and then a good man to do what he was meant to do, what he was put on this earth to do. Most men don't get to that point because they're too busy with a day-to-day. They do what they were supposed to do. They do take care of the families, their providers, and a lot of them never, unfortunately, get to the last purpose, which is the one I'm currently living and this did not happen in my 20s. Like this happened, I was probably 36, 37. And it's after a lot of isolation. Like I spent a year and a half alone in the woods. Like I have a property in the middle of nowhere, still in Canada. And the first year and a half I was there by myself. Let's say that you you get a chance to do a lot of introspection when you're alone. And this is where I figured out what I wanted to do, what I was meant to do. And I spent the next two and a half years developing it. And now I've been living it for the past year. So. So nothing, nothing comes with a, I guess a strike of a, a gong or a clock or something like that. Nothing happens that quickly. Unless like you said earlier, you're a petite, a petite female doing fitness modeling stuff that comes quickly for other people. But, <laughs> But for guys like us, it takes time to evolve and, and make things happen. And it seems like you've uh, taken that time and taken those steps to make sure things worked out the right way. It's test. It's trial and error, right? I'm the type to throw a lot of stuff at the wall, see what sticks. I'm just not scared to fail. At the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. We're so We're so scared to do something that might not work that we just don't do it, which is crazy because... Most of the things I've attempted in my life didn't necessarily work out. But that's okay because this is all part of life. You are going to fail. There's no doubt about that. There's always going to be obstacles. Again, that's probably the only certainty you have in life. Obstacles and death. Those are the two things for sure is going to happen to you. So, Well, the third one would be taxes, depending on where you live. Yeah, yeah. That's the expression that (laughs) death and taxes are the only two certainties. As per Einstein, it's uh, only the universe and human stupidity are are infinite. So I guess it all depends on the person, but you know what I'm saying. It's Oh, yes. Definitely do. uh, What's your your definition of purpose, if you don't mind me asking? What do you think is Uh, purpose to someone? I believe purpose is aligning yourself with pat the passion that uh, ignites your fire. So what your passion is, is defines your purpose. So for me, it's, it's helping those who are trying to find themselves to find themselves to be a better human. Uh, and that's why I wrote my first book, 13 step guides to success. It's not a book on to be a millionaire, to start a business. It's how to be a better human to build you, to build that purpose in order to make your community better. And then, then, become a leader in your community and maybe make everything better and not worry about the things that you can't control. You don't think that sometimes your purpose has nothing to do with your passion? I don't. So you think that they go hand to hand? Yes. Okay. I don't have an answer. I just like, I'm a philosopher. I like to ask questions that there's not necessarily a good or a bad answer to just curious. I I believe uh, wholeheartedly that if you're not passionate about it, then it's not really the purpose that you have. It's just something that you're pursuing. So you you think about the so basically what the caricature that one of your teachers is going to ask you when you're in school. What would you do if you had all the money in the world? If money was not an object, what would you do? If money was not an object, what would I do? I'd still go out and help people. 
so basically that would mean that that mm. question pretty much helps you find your purpose then that's what i'm saying right that's how you see it okay yeah yes. that makes sense that makes a lot of sense because i wouldn't do anything else <clears throat> you could give me millions of dollars i would upgrade some of my stuff i'd have a bigger team behind me but i would still continue doing what i'm doing no questions about it i probably have a better computer when it doesn't die me all the time but that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's a good thing <clears throat> but other than that yeah I'd, I'd make sure that stuff stayed up and, and probably employ some people make sure they have better lives as well that's definitely it man's supposed to serve right right exactly serve each other uh, on your profile it says i'm not your typical christian explain a little bit about that <laughs> um you know i go to church every sunday it's not it hasn't been i've been spiritual for a very long time like at 12 13 years i was a big fan of buddhism still is actually but over the past few years the more time i spend by myself the more time i started reading the bible the more i started exploring religion instead of just spirituality although i've read about buddhism a lot i started reading about gnosticism which is the first sect of christianity and it's been multiple years but really my last year since i left canada since we've been exploring the us in an rv um i've been there's something there there's kind of i got it's like i got stabbed with the holy spirit if you will i'm just we've been going from state to state looking at churches and there's just a deep feeling of faith that's gone over me over the past year. And I say that I'm not your typical Christian in a way that I, I swear I'm not politically correct. I will be the first one to say that Christianity today is way too soft. It needs to harden up. We accept way too many things. I'm, I will one day be a preacher like I'm considering right now going to study theology just to broaden my understanding of the bible because i can read it and you can read it a million times and not necessarily understand it to the point of scholars so i'm not your typical christian in a way that i'm not scared to call um bullshit i'm not scared to ask the tough questions i've i've met a lot of pastor and i find that they're too vanilla they don't put a lot of their personal experience i've like i was saying earlier i've done a lot of drugs i've sold I was an addict. I was not a good man. I was not a good man. And I've made a lot of bad mistakes throughout my life. I was, I'm a very aggressive person by nature. Like if it wasn't for martial art and meditation, I would be a problem. Like I was still a problem five years ago. So I've, I have a lot of demons. I fight my demons on a daily mm -hmm. base. And I believe that this needs to be expressed through Christianity because in the Bible, Jesus never helped good people. He always helped sinners. He always helped people that were abandoned by religion. And this is how I feel. I've always felt that way. It's unfortunate, but it's fortunate at the same time because it put me on this path. And now, older, hopefully a bit wiser, I can see that Christianity doesn't speak to guys like me. Like there's not a lot of pastors that, are capable of speaking to guys that have done a lot of bad things in their life because most of them have not done a lot of bad things in their life. Like they've always been like some, the, the two pastors where I go to church now, where I am in Alabama, they, they've been in it for 30, 40 years. So those guys have not had my life. And most of the guys today that have questions that were raised similar to me, where they're 
I was not in the church. Like I can count on one hand the amount of time I've been to church prior to last year, prior to the last 13 months. And wow. the type of pastor that, that, that I meet quite often, they speak to their congregation, like their congregation aligns with them, but they're Christian already. And when I say I'm not your typical Christians, because I do want to help men that have questions about faith, that question about spirituality, kind of be a bridge between I have questions, give you enough information so that I can send you seek the proper places where you can get the rest of the information that I do not possess. And you said you're uh, traveling to us in an rv is there a particular route you're taking or you just kind of wake up in the morning and say all right we were here x amount of time let's go this way yep i i follow my heart man i'm very very in touch with my purpose with my i have a very strong connection to god he tells me where i'm supposed to go and i don't question it and i'm lucky that my girlfriend has a lot of faith in me because she doesn't question it either if I've stayed in places for months when we were just supposed to stay there a few days and she just goes with it. And it's just because I'm being told there's something that tells me to stay there because something's going to happen or I'm needed there. So I just stay there, but we don't have, we don't have a specific path. We've been from New York state all the way down to North Carolina. Now we're in Alabama. We went all the way to California as I as Colorado and we did it all like we did basically half of your country we've done the only wow. states that, that are left that we <clears throat> want to do is Mississippi, Louisiana, Georgia and South Carolina and from Alabama that's why we're in Alabama right now because we can drive to all those states and leave the RV here so you can hit most of the southeastern states probably within oh, yeah. less than a day's drive just from basically oh, yeah. out of Alabama. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's so cheap. Alabama is so cheap. The people yes. are so nice. And the people are so nice here. It is not what people, for the people out there that have never been to Alabama, don't believe what people say about it. It's so not true. Like we, we paint a picture of the southern states like they are not very intelligent, unless that's what we're being told in Canada. Yet they are some of the nicest people I've ever met are from the South. Like by far the great, just here, Alabama, we've already met so many great, great people. Great state. Absolutely great state. Uh, what part are you in in Alabama? Right now, Athens, Athens, Athens. Alabama. So we're on the North. We're just outside of Huntsville. No, just right outside of uh, the space, the space school there. So, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Yes, sir. Exactly. You know your so, states. Yeah, we're we're about two and a half hours from there where I live. So I'm north of there, in Tennessee. Love my Tennessee. Base, my home base now. Yeah. Love Tennessee. Absolutely love Tennessee too. Uh, one of the listeners uh, said, uh, "In your travels, uh, check out his church, and uh, it's HIS Church in Amarillo, Amarillo, Texas. In Yellow Texas. Amarillo. Yeah, Yellow Texas. Yes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <a> translation. Yes." <laughs> If you want a preview, check out Brian Gibson. Definitely not vanilla. <laughs> no. Oh, see, this is, you know, I got to say some, we spent a lot of time. We spent a few months in Texas. That's another state that's incredible. I love Tennessee, Texas, Arizona. Okay. Those are three of my favorite. Alabama is like my top four is definitely those four. Nice. In Texas, it could take a while to just visit all of all the parts of it because it's so, oh, it's so it, spread out. It, it is massive. It is a yeah. massive state. 
and you can have all different kinds of food there from north, north to south, east to west. You'll have all kinds of different food, and everyone will tell you it's the best. So, Yeah, of course. It always is. You've heard <laughs> that one quite often. I bet. And it's always the biggest. <laughs> yep, there you go. <laughs> so uh, as you uh, travel from Alabama, the, were you going to east first or west first uh, to go to South Carolina or Mississippi first? We're not sure yet. It's, it's really one of those. Yeah, it goes with the content creation that I do because I create content full time and I love to do street interviews. Nice. So we were in Nashville. <clears throat> we were in Nashville a couple of weeks ago to do some more because Nashville, you just walked a few blocks there. and There's so many people. So it's normally very easy to get the people to speak to you. But it's between Atlanta and Memphis. People keep on speaking about Memphis because I'm I, I'm a fan of blues music i'm a fan of guys playing guitar like soul music and supposedly the music in memphis is incredible yeah beale street's a pretty uh, pretty awesome scene down there yeah the music and music food and if you like sports there's a lot of sports right by there you guys are crazy about your football that is yes. one thing you guys are nuts <laughs> for your football absolutely insane that's a definite, especially where you are right now in Alabama, the South. The South, they love it. If you stay in the South during football yeah. season, you're bound to to see multiple different colors of jerseys, uh, flags, uh, crazy people rooting for their teams. And it's only two teams, I suppose. And supposedly, you're supposed to know which team you like. I was in asked <laughs> in Alabama. Yeah, oh yes, I, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I was asked the other day because I'm not. I love all sports. I, like, I, I've always been in sports, but I'm a martial artist. Like, I fought as a Muay Thai fighter, and I always have the same answer is, uh, I, don't, I like men's sports, so football is not really my thing. <laughs> I, I'm just saying this to piss people off. I'm just kidding, but that tends to get a, to get a reaction, especially here, Alabama. Yeah, like you said, they're crazy. You guys, they're nuts about their football. It's incredible. Wow. Yes, uh, I got stationed in Alabama about halfway through my career. And when I first got stationed, there was the first question I was asked because I was working with a lot of civilians. <laughs> well, which which team are you rooting for? And I said, yep. Notre Dame. They said, no, Alabama or Auburn. I said, Notre Dame. I don't root for either one of your teams. Yeah, You got to pick one or you can't stay here. Oh, okay. It's uh, incredible. Eh? I said, which one do you guys like? <laughs> Let me go with that. You know, last year we were uh, in Knoxville when uh, – uh, Tennessee University beat Ole Miss after like 13 or 14 years. You guys beat him. You beat them by a field goal kick in overtime. We just happened to be in the bar. It was not connected. We weren't there for that. It just happened. <laughs> we were there. You got to say, man, you guys love your football, but the ambience that was in Knoxville afterwards was ridiculous. Like apps, we had probably one of our best nights in more than a year was that night in Knoxville just with the we were walking distance from the from the from the the university so everybody just rushed to just rushed to the town started drinking it, you guys take football to another level i've never <laughs> seen any just in, there's a high school team in <clears throat> athens small town 20,000 people i think it holds between 3 to 5,000 people just the art, like just it, it's it makes no sense to me. It's a high school team, and there's three to five thousand people that can sit there. It's it's nuts, it's absolutely nuts. 
and every Friday night, I bet it's it's full and standing room only. So <laughs> they were there yesterday. So I, I just happened to be at the grocery store that was a couple <clears throat> blocks away from there, and I could hear the commentators at the high school all the way to the grocery store. Like if, I thought there were speakers in the <laughs> in, in the grocery store playing, but it was just it, it's just the the voice travels because it's just so big. Yeah, it's a it's a big a big deal for most of them down there. There's a lot of them. That's their last time they'll play, and uh, if they don't make it to the next level, and for a lot of the people that stayed there, it was their the last glory days was in that stadium. So that's uh, a good point. Yeah, so they all uh, flock to it, booster up, and 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 cheer kinda, them on. That's kind of sad. That's kind of sad at the same time, man. Yeah, because they peaked in high school. <laughs> but you know, I had a cus- I had a client out of Texas, and he played. I can't remember the university he played for, but he was used as a twenty-year-old to play in front of a hundred thousand people. Yeah. And this is total madness. When you think about it, there's most the, some of the biggest artists on the planet have never played in front of a hundred thousand people, and twenty-year-olds are playing every week in front of that size of crowd. It's, it's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. And I don't know how else to say it. It's and expected to be at a high level in front of a hundred thousand people as a twenty-year-old or nineteen and twenty-year-old, and you can't make mistakes because that crowd will turn on you in a heartbeat. But it's a beautiful thing, though. It is. Yeah. It is a. It, I don't know that they realize it at that age how incredible of an opportunity and how very few people in the world have the chance to do this. To right. play their sport, which is just perform in front of such a big audience, because it moves like you can feel, like the air is shifting. You can feel it. You can feel the vibration in the stadium. It's just I cannot imagine what it feels like to be on the grass playing. I can't imagine. Can't imagine. Just just think of that rush as, especially as a young person down there, 19, yep. 20 years old. And that might be the last thing they do. So they're not, they, they know they're not going to make it to the next level, but they're going to give all they can because they have 100,000 adoring fans out there <laughs> yelling for them, at least adoring until they make a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful thing, man. Yeah. And uh, Jake also has just he chimed in. It's kind of like y'all from the North Country and your beloved hockey. <laughs> yeah, but our state, like our, our biggest arenas, like 20, 25,000 25, people. Yeah. So it doesn't, and we're talking <clears throat> professional team. Right. We're not talking, I'm playing high school or I'm playing college ball here. So we're talking the best of the best in the country are playing on that stage. But you guys, you how many stadiums do you have in the U.S.? That holds more than 25,000 people. There's, what, thousands of them? Thousands. Probably thousands. <laughs> exactly. I mean, especially from the high school level up, and if you go just Texas, when you were in Texas, I'm sure you've yep. seen a lot of them. Yep. They're millions high school level. And then Alabama has a lot of them as well. Um, Tennessee has a few like that. But in the South especially, a lot of the stadiums are big money, big, big capacity. And then those guys just expected to grow as they grow up. So – it, it's a wonderful thing for them, and hopefully they they take that harness and and use it for the good as they move on in life. It's a great, well, you know. I, I talk about this all the time. I've had um, quite a few single mothers get in contact with me to say, "I don't have a masculine man in my boy's life. I don't know what to do." And one thing I always suggest is go do martial arts. Like, put your kid in martial arts. Tell me where you are. I'll find you a school. I know people that own schools all over the world. Just tell me where you are. I'll find you one. And this always reminds me how 
coaches, not only in martial arts, just sports coach, are so good at just taking a shared value, like a shared passion, like football, for example, and using that to teach their boys life lessons, which there's something about high-end athletes. There is there is a, a mindset that most people don't have. If you've never competed in your life in something, if you've never been in the military, there is something that both the military, sports, high-level training can teach you that nothing else can. Oh, definitely, exactly. When I played for the probably the worst college football team ever, we lost all 14 <laughs> games I played in. But I learned a lot of life lessons in those games. We we lost every game I played. I walked on. I had a blast with my teammates, but we we were everybody's homecoming game. We were we were the the, the doormat, I guess, for two straight years. And then I said, "All right, I'm good. I'm done with football. I'm going in the army." So that was that. <laughs> it's not a bad transition, though. Yeah. Then I started. Uh, I, I was able to learn from those lessons and learn that when you fall down, you got to get back up. And that's what I learned a lot with those 14 straight losses. You got to keep getting up. If you don't, if you stay down, people just keep stepping on you. You just got to get up and go and, and move forward. And that's the only way to succeed in life. Pain and suffering are the best teachers. Best, yes. best. You don't, you don't learn because everything's going well. No. If everything's going well, you're not taking notes and you don't understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're enjoying it too much. You're not paying attention. They, they, they do say that ignorance is bliss, so maybe that's why everything's going well. But losing 14 games in a row, you're definitely going to learn something. That's for sure. And if, if I didn't learn something, then I was just a knucklehead. So <laughs> I did Ign learn stuff. <laughs> ignorance is bliss, right? Yes. We, we, we learned together. And I still talk to some of the guys. A lot of us went way different directions after that, so it was hard to keep them. We didn't have internet to stay in touch, so it was a little harder. But hopefully someday we'll find each other and, and laugh about the 14 games. There is something to team sports. <clears throat> there is something to be to learn to be coachable. There's something to be dependable so that other people know that they can depend on you and vice versa. There's There's something that every man should do some type of competition. Whatever Definitely. it's in sport, whatever it is, whatever it is, you should learn to compete. They will serve you for the rest of your life. A hundred percent. And if if you learn even with mixed martial arts or martial arts in general, the discipline you learn there, mm -hmm. even if you're not uh, going into competition like you yeah. did Muay Thai, if yep. you're just learning to be disciplined enough to learn everything about it, that'll serve you for the rest of your life. Just to have that discipline and mindset to go through everything that you're going through in those classes to step up in the belts and the, the levels of each belt to make it to where you're, you feel like you've achieved the best you could in that. Even if you're not winning the trophies, you're still achieving a lot. It's, it's just about showing up. It is right. just that simple. Discipline is built <clears throat> by just showing up. However you feel, just take your gear. Let's go train. That's it. It's that simple. Exactly. And you said you wrote your first book last year. Yep. Uh, what made you finally, I mean, you've had a long journey. When? What made you click and say, uh, let's write this book? You know, the um, what I did over a few years is I've made enough money in order to buy time. I wanted to be able to disconnect from my corporate job because for, for a long time, all I was doing is I was working out. I was reading, studying in the morning. I was hitting the gym. I was working. Then I was teaching martial art. That's all wow. I did. I was, my days were eaten. I would sleep six hours a day 
And the rest of the time I was doing something. I was always, always on. And when COVID happened in Canada, I, I moved to the woods and I started to realize that I was tired of what I was doing. I wanted to do something else. And I just looked at my transferable skills and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to start recording some content online. I have enough knowledge that I can spread some type of awareness out there. And a year ago, all I wanted is to buy me some time. I wasn't a hundred percent sure the route that I should take to do what I'm doing right now, but I wanted to have the freedom to discover it for myself. And writing a book was just that. It's it's my first book. I don't really talk about it a lot because I'm not that proud of it. I just wanted to learn the process of how do you put your... Because I've been writing forever. It's just it was never put in a way where I it, it was not for other people. It was just right. me writing my thoughts. But it kind of showed... Because I self-published, right? I started a company. I started a publishing house. I hired editors. I hired narrators. I did... I have my graphic designer on staff. So I did the whole book just to see what the process was. And I distributed it myself. I put it on Amazon myself. So all the work was done with no other people's help. I wanted to learn what the process was. How was it to write a book? How do I find all the key people? And now the one that I'm writing right now, I'm pouring my soul into it. Like this is, this is the one I really want to really want to write. What's the title of this one? It's still up for debate. It's okay. still I I I don't I, I don't find it catchy enough, but it's about the five virtues of a good man. Okay. It's what I call the five virtues being courage, faith, protector, provider, and temperance. So it's the book is written in a way where it's a blueprint for fatherless men and single mothers to really how to take their boys and make them a good man awesome and do you have a end state a, a goal to when you want to finish it or you're just going to go with the feeling so you feel oh no no it's going to be done by the end of the the, the end of the year i'll be finished okay i'm just doing a lot of research on the um, the faith component right now all the rest is super easy to write for me I, I just sit down and i write but the faith one is something i want to put a bit more i i want to make it in a way that it's not preachy right it's in because really, like I was saying earlier, my goal is to connect with people that have questions, that know that there's something more than what they have right now, that there's something bigger than themselves. They don't know what. I'm not there to write a book about the Bible. I'm just there to answer some question, give some clarity, and then point the direction to say, maybe you should go see that guy. Maybe you should go that direction if you have more questions. So this is the part I, I have to do more research to put it in a context that that's going to be interesting to most person, most people that are going to read it. Nice. And uh, uh, I can't wait to see that come out by the end of the year. So we're looking probably January beyond the shelves or on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and such like that across the board with the yes, marketing. So that's awesome. And let's talk about your, your podcast a little bit. I mean, you have an amazing following there. What what got you going there? Three years ago, man, I was mid-COVID in Canada. It was restrictions upon restrictions upon restrictions. And I wanted to try something else. And I did 12 years as a sales engineer for a big telecommunication company in Canada. So I was used to be in front of customers doing presentations and just speaking about 
very complex solutions and I don't want to say dumbing them down because that's disrespectful, but putting them in layman's terms is the expression I was looking for. But I'm used to taking very complex solutions and explaining them in words that make sense to people that don't necessarily work in that field. And I'm like podcasting made sense. So I just I bought two microphones that were two $40 microphones, an H6 recorder from Zoom that I still use to this day. But and I started recording. I started talking to people that I found interesting, just sat down with them and asked them questions. And I probably recorded oof, 300 podcasts in the past three years, give or take, as a host and as a as a guest. That's I record them almost every day now. It's outstanding. That's it's almost like a day job. So that's good. <laughs> uh man, for my the marketing company, I I I I deal with was help was proposing to me certain things I should try. And for three months, I recorded five podcasts a week. Wow. Yeah. And my podcasts normally, and those were alone. I did not have anybody else. They were solo podcasts and they would take two, three, four hours of research on every single one of them on top of recording it. So right. it was literally four to five hours a day just preparing and recording the podcast wow yeah that's, yeah that's i mean that's a lot of dedication and it's awesome it's worked out it's it's working out great for you obviously so the congrats skills. To you on that. there yeah. were skills the marketing team all they <clears throat> wanted to do is for me to be able to pick up a camera set up a microphone and start talking and now if you look at my content most of my content is recorded i have all the cameras in the world and most of my content is recording right <laughs> off my cell phone i'll be sitting there i have an idea i start talking i and i'm just so used to it that's all they wanted they just wanted me to build the skills to be able to just sit in front of a camera and start talking wow i mean it's good that they they pushed you to it and you did the the thing that that works best with you so that's awesome I'm and sure they were all live yeah. They were all like this, live with people asking questions. So nice. So no editing, so that's good. <laughs> no, I never, I never edit my podcast in a different way. That will make the sound better if it needs to. We will like polish the image, but I never remove anything. It goes as it came. That's how it's gonna end up. And that's what I. That's why I like going doing the lives. I do three lives a week, and yeah. It what you say is what's going out there. So if if you're if you don't want to say it, don't say it, or, <laughs> yeah. or think before you speak. <laughs> That's a, that right there is a skill. Yes. That right there is a massive skills that most people don't possess. It's it's a lost art on on the world today. Because a lot of people don't speak human to human. They speak human to keyboard to, yep. to screen, and they they get tough until they have to actually talk in line. Uh, Nico, how does someone get in contact with you to maybe have you coach them or get you to to maybe interview them or you can be on their show? How can they do that? They can go on my website, go to nicolagan.com. I everything's on there from guest appearance because like this is <clears> going to be pulled. I'll post it on there as well. So awesome. everything I do is on there. It's I have a webmaster full-time all he does is update my website so it's everything's on there awesome uh nico i usually ask my guests at the end to give three things that people can do to become better what three things can you have can you share with the audience to make them better people as they move forward watch what you eat give the respect to your body that it deserves stop treating it like a dumpster 
and take care of your body as much as you take care of your car and read, 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 read. If there's something I wish my, my mother would have instilled in me when I was, a, when I was younger is read. I've only started maybe seven, seven, eight years ago, but I probably read 300 books already. Nice. And, but this is, I read a book, a book every week, every two weeks, depending on the type of book, but read there's, the internet does not have all the answers. There's a lot of information that is not there. And there's some books, one of my favorite book, The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli, is because it's right there on my desk. It's 500 years old. And it's still as relevant today as it was 500 years ago. So look at books that are not mainstream. Look at stuff that people don't talk about. Read about psychology. If you understand psychology, you'll understand yourself. And if you understand yourself, you'll understand others. Outstanding. Nico, thanks again for taking your time to come on tonight and hang out with us. Enjoy the rest of your trip through the South. If you wind <laughs> up in, if you wind up back up in the Nashville area, reach out to us. We'll come down and hang out with you. We're only about 45 minutes from Nashville. For sure, I'm going back tonight. It's an hour and a half from me. So for yeah. sure, we drive to Nashville again, for sure. Yeah. Just let us know. We'll link up and uh, we'll have coffee or something there. <laughs> Sounds good to me, brother. All right, brother. Have a good night. Same to you, man. Thanks for checking us out and being a part of the Misfit Nation. Don't forget to visit our website at themisfitnation.com. That's themisfitnation.com. Check out all of our past episodes and get some of that great Misfit Nation review. As always, be humble. Stay hungry and keep hustling. Cause we are the Fit Nation. The Fit Nation. The Fit Nation. The Fit Nation. The Fit Nation.